Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 124 of The Yacking Show. This is the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we're living in, and it's changing every day at the moment. As always, we have a lineup of interesting guests for you to bring you these new perspectives. Today is no exception. I've had the pleasure of speaking to our guests before, but I'm not going to steal Kathleen's thunder. It's her job to introduce our guests. So first, let me welcome Kathleen from Waterloo. How are you doing today, Kathleen? I'm doing great, Peter. Thanks for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another very special guest with us today coming from the UK. And uh, please welcome James uh, Owen Roberts. James, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you? Oh, it's my pleasure, Kathleen. It's good to see you again, Peter. <laughs> yeah, very good. Now, James, you are a para-Olympian. You are the host of the Mindset Athlete podcast, and you're also a coach. For our audience, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, how you came to get into the Olympics, the Paralympics? Um, oh, this is always hard to, to, to bridge, but my both my mother and father uh, were active members of the military my father was in the u.s air force and my mother served as a native civilian for just over 30 years so i grew up very much immersed in this into into sport and my mother was a county level swimmer my father played free sports in high school so it only seems natural that i kind of acquired some of those athletic traits and um, my grandfather my mother's side played uh uh, county level cricket for the second team into his 40s so I, I've got a probably good stable pedigree to, to do that and for me it was always a dream or an ambition to make the Olympics or the Paralympics and okay it didn't happen straight away uh, I think for me the Sydney Games were probably the, the catalyst to okay I want, I'd love to go into uh, this arena and, and compete at the highest stage. And it wasn't until I was about 15, 16 that our coach uh, on the base said to me, what, why don't you do disability sport? I wasn't very happy hearing that. Because um, I'd, I'd only ever competed in mainstream sports. So my perception towards the Paralympics or disability as a whole was quite negative. It's like, well, why, why would I do that when I don't see the Paralympics as an equal or on par with the Olympics because of uh, the coverage that we were getting back in those days? Um, obviously, it's got some ways to go in certain countries. It's still got a long way to go. Uh, and ultimately, I did go back and speak to my mom, who I'm very close with, and she was even more annoyed than I was. Um, to kind of being, why would somebody say that of my son? But I think we let the dust settle. And ultimately, I think within probably a couple of weeks, I kind of went to our head coach, uh, being living in Belgium. He also coached a, another team off base. And he knew of a coach that was disabled and coaching an, an able-bodied team. So he got me their contact details 
and pretty much that was kind of the foundations for for me setting on my way to to the Paralympics. Okay, there was turbulent times along the way, but I think for me the 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 real saving grace was the and this makes me feel really old now. The 2002 Commonwealth Games, which is nearly 20 years ago. Uh, my mom, uh, both of us being spectators, once the swimming session had finished, she decided to take it upon herself to go down to the bottom of the temporary stand and to shout over the, the stands, is there anybody there from the Welsh delegation? I was mortified. And, <laughs> and that's been... And that's been uh, Pretty, I probably used a few curse words and things like that. So please don't do that. But she got the Welsh Welsh delegation's attention. Head coach came over, had uh, probably at least a thirty minute chat with us. And what has been left with me from that conversation twenty years on is, you've started too late at eleven. Uh, at eleven years old, at, at that time is when I started, and this was me as a 15, 16 year old. That's not something you want to tell me. It's like, okay, you have that's your plan A. I have a plan B. And ultimately I went away and kind of went, well, I'm going to show you. Um, and okay, that coach is no longer with us. But he used that as out of dinner speech. That that occasion of of my mom going out of her way to put me in a position to be to to succeed and ultimately me proving somebody I'm I'm going to show you. I don't agree with what you have set out for me. So I've, I've always been like that. And it's been, okay, those are the early days. And I did have a lot of belief. I did have other people believe in me before I believed in myself. So I think my mum was obviously that occasion. I had uh, my performance director that I still speak to, even though I've been retired nearly 20, 10 years. Uh, he was more of an uncle than he was a sport director. Um, and same with one of my coaches in British swimming. Uh, he said to me once I made my first Paralympics, you finally met, you finally fulfilled the promise you had in swimming. Ultimately, I did it in a different sport, but it was like, okay, that's all the extra thing I need to hear before we're going to start on what is the pinnacle of Paralympic sport. Wow. Very good, very good. We, we'll get back onto some more talk about sports in a moment, but I'm really intrigued because I have my own tenuous connection with Belgium, but it's your show, it's on my show. So what was it like growing up on a military base, a NATO base in Belgium? Because you're an English kid now, and but with an American father, and you're now in a multinational European base in the middle of Europe, in the, the seat of bureaucracy. So, and I, I must guess that from something you told me that the schooling was quite different. Everything must have been different. So what are your impressions of that? It's, it's, it's like being plopped into another planet. If I was to say somebody that has not been immersed into military culture, it is, it's like nothing that you would experience. It's, it's not like a, a Brit being on a military base that's British. It's not like an American base being anywhere in the world. It is like this melting pot of cosmopolitan. So for me, gosh, I would come home and, and speak a different language probably on a daily basis of yeah. uh, be it one of the fondest memories I've got. He's probably like as a five, six-year-old coming home and saying uh, to my mum, ciao bella, because the, the, the police officer 
walking people across the street happened to be an uh, Italian MP. So I picked up languages very, very easily and very, very quickly. Um, so for me, it it did open probably the gateway to traveling because my family likes to travel quite a lot and pretty much we wanted to immerse ourselves into like different cultures, living in the center of, of what you say is bureaucracy. That's a different story altogether. That's probably something yeah, yeah. I don't agree with now. But being so close to different, you know, within 30 minutes of France, probably an hour away from the Netherlands, an hour away from Germany, and being on the on a on, on military team, that I pretty much spent good eight, nine years on with swimming. We happened to be in one of those countries probably every weekend. So for me, traveling was probably a, was not viewed as a luxury. It was it was part and parcel of the sport. So I think I was very very fortunate because I just moving back into the UK. People don't don't do things like that, and I think it it shaped me as an individual because how I view the world is very different to other people. It's very much quite open to to people's opinions people's debates we talked about this a little bit on my on my show peter of, of, of you you like to have a debate with somebody and that's the way i've been brought up if i don't agree with your opinion we'll have a discussion we might come to an amicable resolution we might not that's okay but i think that has stemmed from those early days on, on, on that base. Sure. No, that sound, sounds really interesting. I know Kathleen really wants to ask you something else about sports, so let me <laughs> hand over to Kathleen. Well, you represented England in two sports. What were some of those highlights? Oof, that's a great question, Kathleen. Um, for me, I would say probably my first World Championships happened to be in home soil, so that, that was... Oh, it's a massive big it's a massive deal now. I don't think at the time I thought of it as that that because the governing body were kind of saying, nah, James, hold off for one more year. Focus on the Ryan's got world championships every single year. So I see their point of yeah, let's let's not focus on 2006. I'd only started the sport in probably the January, February of that year. And I was competing in the world champs that summer. I kind of said, well. This is again where it comes up. Well, I don't agree with what you think. That's your problem to find me a rowing partner. I don't see why I can't compete at that home games. Um, so for me, that was the world champ. So that's that's probably my first highlight. I would say the other one would probably be my first Paralympics, and then obviously having the great fortune of representing my country at the home Olympics. Um I know my family wanted me to go in a different direction. Um, I've spoken to other athletes that either had to retire for injury or, or, or different other reasons. If it was the ball was in your court, what would you have done? Obviously, my decision I made, they, they agree with me. Yeah, I made the right choice. So for me, it would be those three. If I had to pick um, three poignant moments in my career, it's not easy when it's 10 years, but those are probably the, the, the pinnacle. Wow, very good, very good. So let's get on to business for a moment because you had to make the transition from athletics, sports to, to business and, and you're quite happy to tell us that you you failed at your first attempt at business. I mean, you picked yourself up and I think you said you had to um, work in the real world for a little while to get back on your feet and then you 
what motivated you and how did you bounce back from all that to get into your next business, which is what you're doing now and which has become successful? I think it's not an easy question to ask as to why I came back. I think because I wasn't happy in that job, really, not old, I wasn't content. Um, yes, I had to pay the bills uh, and things like that, but working in education is an unforgiving job for it. For, it doesn't matter if it's a teacher, it doesn't matter if it's a teacher, teacher assistant, headmaster, you name it. I would probably argue the kids rule the roost. And if, if it, somebody in education wants to argue with me, I know I'm right. But in terms of why I wanted to come back to, to business is probably... I know there's a few things that I didn't do right the first time around. It's, it's, it only takes hindsight to see that as pretty much if things haven't gone right within the current state, I look back to that as to, well, you've got the extreme. That is failure. You don't, that, and that's what a lot of my peers praise me for. You've got driven this determination. And I opened up to them to say, why? Well, okay, that's the reason why I turn up every single day because I don't want to fail. I probably, to a certain extent, thought referrals would come in um, and all sorts of things. Obviously, you can't get you can't guarantee anything. Um, so I, I'm not content on people saying maybe. I used to probably hang on every word of that back in the day as, well, I now know maybe is a no. It's just you you don't have the conviction to tell me to my face. And sometimes I will be more blunt and kind of say, you can tell me no, it's not going to hurt my feelings. I'd rather hear a no than be kind of strung along and, and, and kind of living in hope that you might come on board. Sure. You'll feel better about it. I'll feel better about it and I'll move on. Right. Um, so it's taken probably some of those frailties of the first time around it'd be you know lose one client lose the next and it was kind of catastrophic it kind of went i kind of hit the the ejector seat it's like yeah i need to get out of there whereas now it'd be okay you lose one okay that's you're not going to be able to sustain people long term all the time based on numerous factors so i think more of a optimistic realist now than and, and before I was probably an optimistic was always living on aspirations and hope right, right. So for our audience we need you Kathleen wants to know what your business is I know but Kathleen and our audience want to know what you do so over to you Kathleen yes well what motivated you to start coaching people to help them lose weight improve their fitness levels and change their mindset it's a good one. It goes it goes further back than you think, Peter, as well. My family wanted me to do this for a lot longer than I've been doing it as well. Uh, my mother would wanted me to go into the fitness space when I retired. So we're talking eight, nine years ago. I didn't finally do it until I was in the right frame of mind because I'd come from kind of this barbaric environment of... Mm -hmm pretty much you don't have to be motivated to do it. They'll tell you once and that's it. Yeah. And you do it, then it's ultimately you, 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 you do it or you quit. And ultimately you're either viewed one way or the other. I think that kind of mentality is changing slowly yeah. within sport. 
But what motivated me was helping other people because it was, I, I think the early days of, if we go back to days when I was working in the gym, that what first person having the faith to put their life in my hands is a massive amount of respect to them because it takes some some balls to do that and i i remind probably a lot of my peers as to well the online space is no different to to the first day that you walked into the gym as the newbie because you were the new you were the new but new new newcomer and everybody's staring at you how are you going to do it and ultimately the online space is pretty much the same but you are more hidden because there's probably hundreds, if not thousands of people that you can choose from. So for me, it was a willingness to help. Um, I had a lot to give. I've got a lot of experience outside of sport because of also my, my time in academia. So I was like, well, I'm perfectly placed to be able to cherry pick certain aspects of my life and here you go you you can take it or you or, or you don't and i probably do it when it comes to mindset is more behavior and habits sometimes it's more covertly and people realize it'll be subtle like subtle little tweaks here and there that i'll do and eventually get them to to see my perspective sometimes it's more open as well what you're doing presently you can see that it's not not serving you or it's not good for you. That let's try going in the other direction. So sometimes it's a bit, it's a little bit one or the other. That's, but that's the reason why I got into that space. Okay, with you now, big one for me um, again because of our previous talk. But something you have on your website, the importance of mindset. And and so let me ask you for our audience, why is the right mindset so important in overcoming adversity? Oh, that's an amazing question. Because it, 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 and this is something that you said to me, Peter, is perspective. Because when you're in the right frame of mind, you have a larger depth of feel and, and a bit bigger um, depth of perception. You, you, can, you can see everything. Whereas if you are in a, if I use the scientific word for it, it's fixed mindset of quite narrow of either you've got a blink, blinkered vision if you're a horse or you've got a, um, I can't think what grain how races with, but you you can't see mm-hmm. out to your periphery. You get focused so much on the small things and how it's affecting you. You don't look at the bigger picture. So I think it's a it's it's massive because you can look at different points of view completely differently. So be it okay, your question, I can answer in any multitude of ways because I'm look, I'm willing to be in a, a state of growth. Whereas if I was fixed, it would be, okay, look, let me look at, well, where are you coming from, from asking that particular opinion? Are you trying to catch me out, et cetera? It's more about how it's going to be viewed as, how am I going to be received? And pretty much, you know, on, on judgment. Whereas if you look at it from a positive you look to showcase your opinion, which which what I'm talking about is generally is why my viewpoint. Some people might agree, some people might not, but that mindset. It's being able to look at things from a perspective and then debate on it. 
Cool. Yeah. Great. So, so James, can you tell our audience a little bit more about your, specifically about the coaching that you do? So if I'm a, so, so let's say I'm a client, how, what, what would a client expect from you in terms of coaching? Um, in terms of coaching, that's where it's, that's not an easy, that's not an easy question to answer because obviously it's very just bespoke, the, the yes. coaching that I would give to each individual. It's not, I, I detest, you know, the cookie cutter approach to, to, to no end because ultimately if I give you something that I've given Peter, he's a male, you're a female. Okay. It's not a very good example, but people can see that your goals will be completely different just based on, on, on gender. But what people can expect from the coaching is I'm going to obviously test, I'm going to challenge you in different, different arenas for sure. Be it the, the fitness one for sure, because I get that one quite a lot. I know my physical limit, um, not limitations. I know my physical capability. No, you don't. And, and, and a lot of people, when they have the same impairment as me, I definitely know that's not the case because ultimately I went to the pinnacle of sport and I didn't medal. So I know there's a level above what I, I, I attained. So for you to say to me, I know what I'm physically capable of. Yeah, you know, you, you know what your brain's allowing you to do, but you don't know what physically you're capable of doing. So I think people put a little bit of, an un unnecessary barrier in place sometimes. So they might put, okay, physically, you could probably come at that a different way of this is what I, I want to achieve. That's, that's not, that's not for debate. That's a different answer. Whereas if you come at me and say, I know my physical capabilities, that's not true. It's, it's, there's, there's something stopping you from uh, maybe ascertaining a, a little bit more. Um, obviously that's a mental thing. So it's definitely challenging people's uh, limiting beliefs. They're going deep enough as what trauma they face as where they are now. This has had a massive impact and it's taken probably me speaking with people that are better, better at it than me in terms of mindset uh, of, of mindfulness and looking into the spirituality and and, uh, and the things like that when it comes to mindfulness meditation things like that i'm i'm open to learning because i'm always learning okay this person this particular coach has done it this way okay can i learn something from what they're teaching their clients can i implement that into my business so it's, for me it's always looking to one and the first time I learned from my clients is what 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 have I done for my standards? What is you what do you expect is the minimum bare minimum? And what can I over deliver? Uh, so if I can over deliver, I don't think anybody would be dissatisfied. So to answer your question, Kathleen, in terms of what do I offer, that's something I'd have to discuss with people on an individual basis because what most people deem that they need when they want to lose weight most of the time it's more uh substantial and there's things under the surface so be it i don't know the person wants to lose in the in in the range of 10 to 30 pounds 
but there's other issues that are going along with it. So I'll look to eat away at that. That's the anchor point as Mm -hmm. that's something that's tangible and people can see the change. Right. But what has got you into that state of mind? What has got you into that particular physical conditioning? And what has got you to, when it comes to making a choice, you're going to go raid the the, the cookie jar as opposed to maybe going in 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 your vegetable tray. To look at that minute in detail, like really deep, deep dive. So there are times that I've got to massively take some some downtime just to decompress from from some of the things that people say to me. Right. Wow. So I got my my evergreen question. I've got to jump in quick with that. I ask all, all our successful guests, and you've certainly been successful in the sporting arena. So in your years of experience, James, what do you think differentiates the successful athlete, forgetting the physical limitations, because obviously those are realities, but what differentiates, what's the most important characteristic differentiates those who become successful from those who don't, who just stay average? We come back to mindset. That's the British cycling, Dale Bradford's coined it, you know, the marginal gains. It's okay. We talk about, um, I should disassociate myself because I'm retired. Sport talks about the 1%. And obviously that's what happens between the t- between your ears. And that's, those are minimal marginal gains. It's, we're talking about milliseconds, millimeters. Mm-hmm. And having a, the, the, the definition between having a gold medal, having a silver medal, having a bronze or finishing fourth and obviously obviously finish outside the medals. But when you talk about what's the difference when it comes to success and not being average, it's stepping up to the challenge. Um, This is probably something that annoys me a little bit because mediocrity is average. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not always content with being comfortable um and it's taken probably a group of gosh about 15 other people to kind of praise me as this is what we like about you james and your disability what you overcome is a massive success and i downplay it which is not great um because you know just getting up from that every single single day is massive Mm -hmm. for the outside world but i just kind of go some days, oh no, big deal. It's no, it's no, it's no different day to the, than yesterday or the tomorrow or tomorrow. But to downplay that is to downplay success because I have a willingness to show up for other people when I could have the complete opposite mindset and kind of go, well, poor me. Uh, this has happened to me. Uh, let me wallow in self pity and sit on the couch and get fat. But I choose yeah. to do the complete opposite. It, it, it probably would go against completely my my whole personality, my character to to do that because I've known health and well being since probably the day that I could walk and having a healthy diet probably since I was eight. Mum went on a on a one one of her very last diets. For me, it wasn't a diet. It was a lifestyle choice. And for me to go in a certain direction. So when people say, oh, have you ever smoked? Have you ever drink? It's like, well, it never, it never came on 
into the equation smoking bad affects performance why would i do that drinking obviously i <laughs> i have a little bit but i wouldn't go to i wouldn't go to excess and it wouldn't be to maybe the end of the uh the end of the tournament end of the season it'd be the end of the season as, and it's pretty uh, some of the athletes i've seen has been a blowout so it's been pretty much like if you think of college you think of um friday night saturday night binge yeah. these these are fully grown men grown men and grown women doing the exact same but they've been training for six to eight months solid Right, right. So, so it's it's back to mindset. You know, unless you get that mindset right, it doesn't matter what else you've got going through. It's not going to work. So we're getting close to the end of time. It's back to Kathleen quickly. Yes, uh, James. So if somebody wants to reach you, how do they contact you? You can find me via my website, jamesowenroberts.com. You can find my podcast, The Mindset Athlete, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon google play or anywhere that you listen to podcasts excellent and we'll we'll give james's podcast a good plug he has some interesting guests on there and some strange ones as well of course but um he has i've listened to a few he has lots of interesting people on there thanks james back to you kathleen well thank you so much james for uh tuning in or joining us today and thank you all for tuning into the show we so appreciate you and welcome your comments all the time and if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show please don't hesitate to reach out to either peter or myself and until next time take care Goodbye.